So, you met our German counterparts. <laughs> yes. I went to the Retro Games meetup last week. Retro Game Lovers in Hong Kong. And there were a bunch of new people. At one point, I was talking to one of these new people. And she'd been talking to the organiser and said to me, Oh, I hear you have a podcast. And I said, Oh, yeah, yeah. It's called Lost Levels Club. And she was like, Wait, what? And she said, I have a podcast. It's called Lost Levels. And I was like, What? So we met the other Lost Levels podcast. So not very original, really. <laughs> yeah, it turns out we're both really unoriginal. I think there's actually three Lost Levels podcasts. There's The Lost Levels, which is a Nintendo podcast. There's Us, Lost Levels Club. And this other one, Lost Levels .de because they're a German podcast. So there you go. Small world. Small world. Guten Tag, Lost Levels. Off we just. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I did listen to an episode. Uh, I didn't understand that much of it because I only did GCSE German. I did get an A star. It was a long time ago. <laughs> just throw it in there. <laughs> just, just throw it in there. A star. I only got an A in German. Oh, you got... You... So you also have an A in German. Not an A star. But you don't know what langweil means. You've forgotten. No. I remember using it a lot, though. Ah, oh, fucked bar. So, you've lived here seven years. And for the first time in seven years, you had a neighbour introduce themselves to you. <laughs> okay, we're doing this story too now. Well, okay, literally like 10 minutes ago, you came round, we were going over the show notes, and ding dong, the doorbell rings, and we're like, huh? You're already here, who could be ringing the doorbell? Yeah, a neighbour came round and introduced themselves. We've just moved in. I just thought I'd come round and introduce myself, and I was just like... Huh? This is Hong Kong. People don't do this. We all live in our little rabbit hutches and don't come out. <laughs> except to except to scurry out and get food and water and then scurry home again. But you introduce yourself as Michael. When does the occasion require Michael and when does the occasion require Mike? You're just overthinking this. I just say whatever comes to mind first. I guess Michael is more formal. I'm giving you the opportunity to make up something very silly and silly. But no, fine. People people often say, I'm just going to make a dad joke. I'm not even a dad. You should be making this joke. You know when it's like... You're a good company, it's fine. You know when it's like, people say, oh, do you prefer Mike or Michael? Oh, either's fine. Oh, okay, either. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I meant. Get out. I thought it was quite good. <laughs> your, your sense of humour has been damaged by fatherhood. No, I think I like it when people do dumb jokes. I think they're underappreciated. Not not every joke has to be clever. <laughs> not every joke has to be annoying. The more annoying the joke, the better. Knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting. Moo! <laughs> I had other pre-chat for you as well. Go on. I've forgotten. <laughs> You've ruined it with your moo. Oh. 
I asked you about over-ear headphones and what you thought of them. You specifically asked me, what do you think of over-ear headphones worn outside? Yes, I said outside, yes. And I said, it's totally fine. I would do it too, except that my head would get really sweaty and it would wreck the headphones. And you were disappointed by this? Yeah, I thought it would be like, that's like a proper douche signal. Douche signalling. Don't know why, though. You're just judgmental about people with good headphones. Damn you, curse you, I wish I could wear headphones like that. Curse you, I wish I could wear headphones like that, except my head gets too sweaty. It's just, it's just good audio quality thing. You just need to care about your audio quality. But you don't need to hear out the world outside. I mean, only if you don't want to get run over by a bus. Twenty mid-twenties thing used to care about his hair too much to, like, wear over-ear headphones. I can tell you that mid-thirties Mike doesn't have any hair to worry about. But now it's another problem altogether. <laughs> Is this about, like, the ridges that get pressed into my head? I don't know if you've noticed. Sweaty head. No, oh, it's sweaty head. It's not... My head would have got sweaty if I had hair as well, but... It, I do wear over-ear headphones at home. I actually don't own any speakers. No, I I know. You don't own a a chair for a guest, and you don't own speakers. How antisocial are you? It's like, get out. You're not welcome here. (laughs) Extremely. You're like this this insight into my strange, reclusive, hermit life. So I have over-ear headphones at home, but a problem since I became largely bald is the headband from the headphones actually presses like a pattern into my head. And so when I've been wearing the headphones for a while and take them off, I actually have like zebra stripes on my head from where, you know, the headband's been pressing into it. So I actually have a little like raccoon eye mask and I I wear it on top of my head just just to cushion the headband. Boring fact. I feel like there's a Kickstarter there. You know, I have actually seen on YouTube other people who have these headphones and they've like just wrapped a cloth around the top of the headphone because they have the same problem. Kickstarter opportunity right there. Kickstarter opportunity. Like a headphone headband for bold men with overpriced headphones. Don't say it. You need a snazzy name. <laughs> snazzy get name. rid of that. <laughs> get, get rid of that. Negative marketing. The pretentious band. The douche band. <laughs> do it there you go do you it. know and if it's a, if it's called the douche band it's like a thousand dollars a pop us <laughs> that's the secret that's how that's how i'm going to uh escape the rat race it'll be a status thing it'll be a status it's jewel encrusted <laughs> you see more money than sense you'd buy it <laughs> no i would not <laughs> don't be ridiculous how dare you <laughs> Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me, Tired Mike, Sad Mike. Hello. And myself, Timothy. We are a book club for games. And today we are... Fanfare. Today we're playing Prey. We're talking about Prey at least, we're not playing it right now. Well, I mean, you were playing Prey. I played like... 10 minutes of prey. Just saying. We'll get to that later. Okay, so before we start, spoilers for prey. Spoilers for prey up until the end of 
shipping and receiving. To summarize the story in the section that we've played for this episode, we're picking things up from the middle of Detour. We need to get to deep storage to retrieve the fabrication plans for our arming key and to make a copy of the arming key. Deep storage is connected to the Arboretum. Normally, you could just get in the main lift and go to the Arboretum, but the main lift is broken, so we're having to take this detour through Psychotronics and Guts. And we're picking up the story at the start of Guts. That's basically where we played up to last time. When we finally get to the Arboretum, we walk to Deep Storage and discover it's been voice-locked by the head of IT, Danielle Show. So we need to get samples of her voice in order to bypass the voice lock and we can get those samples by going to the crew quarters. You explore the crew quarters and you find the voice samples and with that you... You go back to deep storage and unlock it. On entering deep storage, your brother Alex Yu locks you in there. He triggers a lockdown of the whole station so you're sealed inside deep storage. And the only way to get out is to... Well, first off, you have to fabricate the arming key. So, you know, you did need to get deep storage for a reason. So you find the plans for the arming key, you fabricate a copy, and now you've got to get out. And to get out, you exit through one of the archiving pods? Yeah, deep storage has kind of archive pods that can eject from the station so, you know, in the in the event of the station being destroyed, it's like a black box recording or something, I guess. So you get into one of those pods and eject it. And then you have to get back into the station through the cargo bay. And that's it. Pretty much, yeah. So before we actually recorded the first episode for Prey, we originally said, finish, restore from backup. So last time I actually did finish Restore from Backup, which meant that all I had to do this time was this side up and shipping and receiving. This side up is like five minutes long and shipping and receiving is only maybe like 10 or 20 minutes long. So the majority of this episode I actually played over a month ago. So you'll have to excuse me if I've actually forgotten most of it, because, you know, I'm getting old now. My memory isn't what it used to be. Sorry, guys. So are we just going to talk about it? Yeah, Guts. So the Guts is the... Gravity Utility Tunnel System. Thank you. 
so this is the the area where there's just zero g right it's zero g and it's just like one long corridor and you quite like the controls for this area with this these sections in general i just think it's really quite unusual to have zero g in an fps have you ever read ender's game no I know Orson Scott Card is a controversial author these days because, well, maybe the less said about that, the better. But Ender's Game was a very famous sci-fi book. And back in the day, before I knew anything about his politics, you know, I obviously really enjoyed it. And, you know, I read it when I was like 10 years old and there was a very, a major plot point in the book is Battle School where classes of children have to fight in zero g they basically are playing like an fps in real life in zero g so they've all got suits and like blaster guns and sometimes it's literally just an empty arena but other times there'll be like floating obstacles that they can like hide behind and they have to think in a way that's not natural for a human to think because you know you're used to gravity you're used to standing on the ground and looking forward but when you're trying to fight in zero g things can come from anywhere and then a famous quote from the book for example is the enemy's gate is down so it's like when you're trying to orient yourself do you do the obvious thing which is to like fly towards the enemy's gate so it's ahead of you but then you're exposing a big cross-section of your body or you know, the thing they're trying to encourage, the enemy's gate is down. Pretend you're falling towards the gate and you're just, your feet are exposed. You're only showing a very small cross-section to the enemy. I don't know what the point of this whole <laughs> random rambling I just you can't did go feet. You can't go feet first towards the <laughs> through guards. No, but you kind of should be able to, right? It would make much more sense. But no, you have to float towards the door like a, like a stupid two-dimensional thinker. And shoot lots of cystoids well actually i don't know about you i just picked up things and threw it as cystoids to save on ammo but i i thought it was cool because it kind of is like the battle school battles you enter through a door and guts is kind of split up into a bunch of sections you're trying to get to like the door on the other end and between you and that door it's usually cystoids right for most of the sections but a few of the later ones I know you encounter a weaver. I think there's a technopath at some point too. Much later on towards the end. Yeah, there is. And I think because it's kind of a long tunnel, it helps you avoid being quite so disoriented. Because I think, you know, humans don't naturally think in three dimensions in that way. It's quite easy to become disoriented. I hated those histoid nests. I think that's why... I gained the extra six hours. It's trying easy. To, trying, just... trying to throw de- debris at them. <laughs> well, yeah, you just, you just shoot them once with a pistol to pop them and then just float close enough that they kind of activate and then hurl a box at them and they all blow up. It's easy. I just tried to hurl everything at them. You were desperate to find a reason for having taken leverage. Yes. Yeah, I just used the pistol. Just, you... just like every other fight in the game, my solution was... Use the pistol. How much ammo did you have? I, I didn't use very much. I mean, I literally shot one bullet into each cystoid nest and then threw, you know, a box at them and that was enough. 
I tried to do the same. It just didn't work for a while. No, because it'll be like one cystoid left and I'd be trying to throw everything at it or trying to find other stuff to throw at it. Oh, I just let it hit you, whatever, who cares? That's what I did at the end. I just took the damage. Just took the damage. Yeah, it's like, whatever, you don't matter. And here was your opportunity to get the Q-beam if you didn't get it earlier. Yes. And you got it? Eventually? Eventually. You had to leave and then come back for it. When you say you had to leave and come back for it, you mean you had to leave, set the security station to track, was it Joshua Dalton? Yes. Well remembered. Yeah, my memory's not that bad, really. I'm just pretending for comedy value. It's not even very funny. I don't know why I bother. <laughs> it's not very effective. It's not very effective in reference to my comedy or in reference to the Q-beam. Both. Both? Poor Q-beam. Poor Michael. <laughs> what do you think of the magnetosphere? I don't know what to think of the magnetosphere. What should I think of the magnetosphere? I just thought it was a cool thing. In what? It makes a really annoying noise. But it was cool. Should we, should we just quickly say what the magnetosphere is? Well, in universe, it's a big electromagnetic shield that protects the Talos One from, like, cosmic rays, right? But in game mechanics terms, it's just a big piece of moving geometry that makes funny noises, and that will kill you if you are standing in the wrong place at the wrong time uh you i mean you're basically forced to go there because there's a door that's locked and the key code for it is on a body that's in the magnetosphere oh so you you went out at this stage i'm just wondering why why we're talking about it in guts so i can get my it's in guts it's in guts you don't remember this no i don't (sighs) or did you have hacking did you just completely ignore it because I think you could probably hack your way past it. I hacked my way past it, probably. Oh, there's a, there's a bit where... Well, I mean, because I was exploring very, very thoroughly, I just noticed this, like, aperture on the side of the tunnel and, and heard this noise and just went out to explore and found it and then got the key code. And then I went to the door and was like, oh, I need the key code for this door. And they're obviously expecting you to find the door and then see the voice recording that's like, oh, I've changed the key code and I'm going in to maintain the magnetosphere or something like that. Okay, fine. Whatever. I just thought it was cool. It's a cool set piece. I mean, it's not the coolest set piece, but it's a pretty cool set piece. Never mind. Let's get on with it. And now you talk about it, I think I did go. just didn't make an impression on you. No. Is there a thing that just every X seconds it all... Yeah. Yeah, thunk. I don't think... I I, I don't have the same, was it, sci-fi appreciation as you do, if I'm honest. There's a lot of detail you're picking out of, like, okay, okay, Mike. Not a fan. Uh, just too common. Just too common. <laughs> just too simple for you. Disappoint. I do like sci-fi, so. You're picking out a lot more detail than me. I'm just here for the mechanics. Okay, so. We get to the Arboretum? Yes. Your first statement surprises me. So you missed... You... So when you get to the Arboretum, you're in a kind of maintenance area. It's got a fabricator and a recycler and stuff. And I was just noodling around there. And then you hear this like weird blood-curdling screaming noise. 
and is it January warns you? He's like, oh, there's some kind of monster, uh, like maybe stay out of its way or something. I don't remember exactly what gets said. And I think if you run up to the door at that point, you get a chance to see it and scan it. Yes. But I didn't. I just heard the noise. And by the time I walked up to the door, it was gone. And then you actually have to go out through a maintenance duct because the door is sealed. So I didn't get to see the monster, but obviously, you know, you encounter it soon enough. You didn't like this area. Well, I mean, there's actually quite a few things happen in the Arboretum. You're actually here for... It's kind of the next hub area, if you think about it, because there's the lobby, which is where we were before, and that gets you to Psychotronics or the Hardware Labs or uh, Neuromod... Division. Oh, the Neuromod Division, yeah. And the Arboretum, by contrast, well, I guess Guts connects and deep storage and the bridge and the crew quarters so it's another kind of hub plus the lift which actually connects it back to the lobby but yeah i just (laughs) the problem is plants and foliage is i think it's hard to do it convincingly in a game right i just didn't think it looked that good were you there admiring the plants well, no, I was there being disappointed in the plants. Critiquing the plants. Critiquing the plants, that's right. It's like the subsurface scattering on this leaf is not very good. If only this scene was ray-traced. I know what you mean. I mean, you're not impressed by the vast amounts of foliage, nor are you... Well, there aren't vast amounts of foliage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very sparse. I mean, it was all right. I just... It did... <sighs> It didn't feel as convincing as, say, the lobby, where it's like this big open space with cool architecture and, you know, like art hanging from the ceiling. But, it, you know, it it kind of looks like the lobby of a, well, of like a big corporate office in a way. And I guess also some Art Deco space station. Whereas the Arboretum, it's like, I don't know, is this what an Arboretum would look like on a space station? I mean, I, you know what? I'm in no position to judge, really, am I? So, But it's not how you pictured it. No, I don't know. I just think it's hard to do natural things in a game. I mean, it has some, it does have some clever bits in it. Do you not remember the first Crisis? Far Cry, Crisis, Far Cry, Far Cry. Uh, I actually didn't play Far Cry or Crisis. I remember having very good plants or foliage. I'll have to take your word for it. No, I, I do remember vaguely from screenshots and gameplay videos, but I never actually played either one, so. I mean, the things I did think were clever in the Arboretum. I can't remember if we mentioned this last time. If I did, it wasn't in the context of the Arboretum because we didn't talk about the Arboretum last time. But in the corridor that leads to the main lift, the one that takes you back down to the lobby, there's an aquarium there, like literally a floor to ceiling aquarium. And I was thinking... What are they going to do if I smash this aquarium? Are they going to just make the glass indestructible, like the exterior windows? That you know, it's going to be like boom and give you the shield effect because they obviously can't let you smash the glass and have the water pour out because that would be way too hard to render. Or are they going to just let me smash it and have the water pour out because then I will be impressed? And so my curiosity got the better of me and I smashed it. 
and it was a looking glass and there was like a maintenance section behind it and i was like "Ooh, well played game well played i did not see that coming there's a whole section behind the aquarium if only this were a video podcast people could see how like judgmental your face was as you were preparing yourself to to crack the the faux aquarium and and it's it turned to to an impressed face yes yes it's like you have earned my respect game well played there's another bit as well where there's a waterfall also in the arboretum and there's like a pond at the bottom of the waterfall and it's actually the same thing where i think some of like the plants in the pond are actually mimics and so they jump at you and i mean i don't know if this is the case but my assumption is that they put the mimics there so that you'll shoot at them and thus break the glass or break the looking glass because the pond itself is a looking glass and again i was like very clever well played did you fall down or go in well i I went in after the fact and it led to the same area as smashing the aquarium so they want you to break this glass and discover that you know these bits of liquid are actually looking glass because they want you to have this experience of like oh clever i didn't see that coming I discovered my love of turrets at this stage, and I was just turrets everywhere. No need to smash the mimics in. Yeah, they did give you quite a few turrets in the Arboretum. But by this point in the game, the turrets are pretty weak. Like, they're good against mimics, but actually they're not even really good against mimics. You can fortify them. I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't bother fortifying them. But by this point, I put the turrets up out of habit, but I mostly just shot things myself. Same, but it's nice to have that backup. Well, I guess you can feel like it's watching your back, right? Because it's scanning and detecting things. The fact that there are so many turrets around, I wonder if it's because they expect you to have enough Typhon powers at this point in the game where the turrets will be hostile to you. Interesting. But obviously, well, I'm not taking any Typhon powers, and you've only got two? Yeah, only two. So we're both actually fine. We're both like, turrets are friends. I saw a bench and had a plaque on it and I totally misread the plaque, it seems. So we write up notes before recording each episode and you sent me your notes that said there's a plaque in the Arboretum. It says Catherine Yu, age 23. Isn't she Morgan's mother? What's going on? And I was just like, it just says Catherine Yu, May, May 23. Isn't it the date? It's 2023. It's just like, I think today's date when you were playing the game is meant to be 2035 so it's just saying that the plaque was like dedicated 12 years ago i totally missed the month i was just like blind to the month on the plaque and there's another plaque on another bench that says william U, may 23 as well so meh also this was the first time i came across the telepath telepath was it for you Well, yes, no. So, you know, again, last time I mentioned I was exploring and I went to the hull breach outside the station and got killed in some horrifying way by a typhoon. I, you know, I didn't know what it was. So that actually was a telepath as well. But this is the first time I encountered like a telepath kind of properly. How did you take it down? I found it incredibly painful. It was pretty painful. So did you actually open the door and then fight it? No. I went from the top. So you used the glue gun 
to get on top of the greenhouse. Because I didn't want all the little people, little people. I didn't want the people attacking me as well. I didn't actually, I didn't know if they would attack me. They didn't seem particularly friendly. I just wanted the telepath. Yeah, path. we <laughs> telepath. You can telepath. say telepath. It's okay. We won't judge you. Well, I realize you say telepath now. So I'll go with that. Would you say bath or bath? I'd say bath. Would you say telepath or telepath? I want to say telepath, but I should say telepath. To be consistent. Yes. I don't know. I say telepath for some reason. I'd say bath, though. Now that dialect club is over, I did the same thing. I think there is a transcribe or something that talks about the the telepath and how it's mind-controlled a bunch of people and how they hope that it doesn't realise that there's no roof on the greenhouse. It's like, we sealed it in the greenhouse it hasn't noticed that there's no roof on there yet. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did the same thing as you. I used a glue gun to make footholds to climb up onto the roof and Q-beamed it. Did it float out of the greenhouse? Yes, it did. That was a nightmare. Did you chase it down and get it? It didn't actually float very far. It, it actually just floated back in again. Then it deserves to die. <laughs> yeah, it actually blasted me off with one of its, like, psychic blasts and I had to climb back up and do you have enough Q-beam to kill it? Yeah I had enough Q-beam to kill it. So I didn't I had to null wave, recycler and then I had to in one run it was I was fortunate enough for it to get caught in the architecture and just got stuck and then I had to Q-beam it and shotgun it maybe the other way around I mean that's a good point, did I have enough Q-beam to kill it with just the Q-beam or did I use up a whole load of Q-beam cells and then finish it off with a pistol because the Q-beam, you know, it changes its energy bar to green. And if its total health goes below that green section, then it will just explode. So I'm not sure I had enough to like 100% fill its energy bar with green, but I think I might've got it to like 70 or 80% and then use the pistol to bring its health below that point. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how it works. Oh, I totally didn't get that. Oh, so you thought you had to 100% fill its health bar with just Q-beam? Yes, I still think that. So I had to do some shotgun damage first and then Q-beam it. I'm pretty sure if you Q-beam it and then bring its health down to below the Q-beam level, it will just explode as well. You're making a shocked face. Wow. Wow. This changes everything. Totally didn't get that. I think a lot of the six hours can be attributed to that encounter as well. <laughs> I was going to message you. <laughs> I was going to message you. Next area. Yeah, well, I mean, you go to deep storage, you find you're locked out, you get the key card to crew quarters and you go to crew quarters, basically. Do you go upstairs? Did you go upstairs at this point? Yeah, well, there's a whole story about... Who is December and all of that. So we can go into that now or we can go into that later. I mean, we can go into it a little bit now. Yes, I did go to Alex Yu's office and hack all the computers and stuff and get a key card for his room and blah, 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 blah. So. So detailed. It's okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So the escape shuttle that's mentioned in Who is December is in the Arboretum and to use it you need level 4 hacking 
in order to lower the bridge that leads to the escape shuttle. And you also need the EP-101 keycard, which is in the crew quarters. Specifically, it's in Alex Yu's suite in the crew quarters. I can't remember if the key to his suite is actually in his office. I mean, I just did what I usually do, which is explore the whole area and hack everything and whatever. So I don't remember exactly where I got it, but I knew that I had to go and get the EP-101 keycard from his bedroom. One more thing before we go to the crew quarters for Gathering Echoes. Did you repair the lift? Yes, I did. How did you repair the lift? How did I repair the lift? (laughs) Were you paying attention? Why is the lift broken? I don't know. There's a technopath down there. Yeah, that's it. Is it a technopath or a technopath? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's a... Well, I'm going to say technopath. And a technopath is just... What is it? It's like some amalgam of multiple operators and turrets and stuff. I don't know. It's just this weird mutant typhon machine thing. And... Yeah, they can just control all nearby technology. So one of them is at the Arboretum end of the main lift and is just, well, it just has control of the main lift. So once you kill it, that fixes the lift. So did you go in the lift? Yeah, I mean, I went through the door in the Arboretum and it actually triggers an area transition. So what's interesting is that the lift is actually considered part of the lobby in, like, game design map terms. And you just have a fight on your hands. You go in there and there's, like, a weaver and a technopath and a bunch of operators. I think I threw lots of EMP grenades and just used the Q-beam, as usual. But there's a nightmare. There's not a nightmare yet. Isn't there? Oh, no, there is. There is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. At the bottom of... Once you kill the technopath and you take the lift and you're down in the lobby, that's when you first encounter the nightmare. Yes. Actually, I'm not sure if that's always where you first encounter the nightmare, but that's definitely where I first encountered the nightmare. And you too. Same, yes. What did you do? So... Yeah, you hear the blood-curdling scream and you get like a mission pop-up and it says evade or kill the nightmare. So obviously I killed it. What about everything else? What about the the weaver, the phantom, the telepath? Yeah, there is a load of stuff in the lobby. I'm not sure if the nightmare appeared immediately for me or if I actually just arrived in the lobby, killed the other stuff in the lobby that was there, like the weaver, and then... I think I actually went to my office because I thought, oh, I've got all this stuff to recycle and I want to fabricate some more pistol ammo and stuff. So I think I actually went back to my office and then the nightmare appeared when I was in my office. Okay, so so you you left the lift quite quickly then. Yeah. So I started like scanning. That's what I do. I'm safe. I'm in my safe space. I'm going to start scanning. (laughs) And then it appeared. And what did you do? I pushed the the button to go back down. (laughs) And like you said, it's part of the same area. So I just waited it out 
in the Arboretum. That's actually very smart. Well done, pacifist ting. How did you do? Well, obviously I scanned it because I also just scan everything. From where though? I mean, did you did you do it from the safety of being up high on the... No, I was just on the run. I just ran and evaded it. And then the reason I think I was in my office is I have some recollection of it having to squeeze through a door. So I went through like the teleconferencing center door or something and it kind of like squatted down and like squeezed itself through the door. But that isn't that like the the failing of the nightmare? He gets stuck. Well, he doesn't get stuck. I mean, he just squeezes through the door and then gets up on the other side. If you're in a really confined space, like you're like under a table or something, I don't think it can get to you. Or if you're like in a maintenance duct, but it can get through a door. Oh, in my mind, artificially, I've thought he couldn't squeeze through certain spaces, so I thought I was safe. But really, I think I've just been lucky. No, there, there are definitely spaces it can't squeeze through. And I, I have actually also definitely evaded it once as well, because I think you mentioned to me one time, like the idea of locking a door. Like, you can hack open a door and you can lock it. Yeah, override lock it. And I'm pretty sure there was one time when the nightmare appeared and I actually just was in, like, a tiny cupboard and I just locked it and just waited it out. But for this first encounter, I scanned it and then I threw a load of recycler charges at it. And this is when I learned that recycler charges are totally OP. Because you can throw a recycler charge and it just like sucks the nightmare down into this like tiny point. And if you throw another recycler charge while the first one is still going off, it just never gets to escape. It's quite a cool effect. So you can just chain recycler charges and I took off the majority of its health like that and then I Q-beamed the remainder. And then it plays the, you know, the mission complete sound. And, you know, I got a little tick next to kill the nightmare. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I was supposed to kill it on the first encounter. And then I looked at the research and I saw there were like five research chunks. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't have killed it so I could finish the research. And then I thought, wait, is there more than one of them? And then as we discovered, there's more than one of them. I think it's like a recurring thing in the game now. Well, Once you first encounter it, doesn't it come like every 30 minutes from now on? Or something like that. I don't know. Or each time you do an area transition, there's a chance for it to appear or something. I feel it's tied to the area transition. Oh, I don't know. It's quite a pain. It is actually really dangerous because in the very next thing, you know, we're going to talk about, which is crew quarters. Well, again, like, I don't know about you. I encountered the nightmare immediately upon entering the crew quarters. And I died like... 20 times or something there because it just one shot me like you're you're trying to kill it i'm running away and you're trying to kill it the objective says evade or hunt is it hunt kill kill or evade the nightmare so i mean i mean i'm reading that as win or be a loser against the nightmare (laughs) 20 deaths i will still kill you i don't know for whatever reason i decided I was going to kill it. So for the crew quarters one, the problem for me was I was trying not to kill any humans. And when you walk into the crew quarters, there's immediately two or three mind controlled humans and also the nightmare. 
And so I was really concerned about throwing recycler charges about in case it just vacuumed up a human. But you you really were committed to killing the... The nightmare. You were committed. Yeah. Oh, you're a lunatic. Totally. And I discovered that the nightmare will actually one-shot you. So several times I walked in there and tried to... I don't know, I was trying to do some funny jiggly-pokery with the disruptor, you know, the electric stun gun, to knock out the humans. But while I was faffing around with that, the nightmare actually just got, like, one good hit on me and just immediately killed me. And I was like, what? How is this fair? So... I died multiple times in exactly the same way of like walking to the crew quarters, the nightmare appearing, me charging up the stun gun and just getting smacked in the face by the nightmare and dying. I did eventually decide, screw this, recycle the charges, go. And just miraculously, I just didn't vacuum up any humans. So it was fine. Also, funnily enough, if a mind controlled human runs up to you and I mean, do you know what they do when they run up to you? No. They actually just explode. Turns out that doesn't count as killing a human because you didn't kill them. They just killed themselves. So you let that happen? Well, I mean, I didn't want it to happen, but it did happen to one of the humans, but it didn't count as me killing a human. So I just carried on. So you you just evaded this nightmare as well? Obviously. Have Have you ever killed the nightmare? No. What? What? It's awe. Why would I kill it? I mean, I guess I did evade it once. But... <laughs> I only have so much ammo. Well, I can tell you that I have so much ammo. It's but, totally cool just to shoot it. But why? Because you're fabricating it all? Yeah, I am just fabricating it. Sorry, I had to think about that a little bit. I think I also... I'm pretty sure I have a chipset, like a suit chipset. That is giving me Q-beam cells whenever I salvage an operator. So if I destroy an operator, it often has like 50 or 100 Q-beam cells on it. And I can literally just make Q-beam cells. I think if you fabricate a Q-beam cell, you get 200 cells, which is loads. Yeah, that is. I just don't worry about ammo now. I'm just fabricating whatever. Shoot all the things. Survival horror my ass. <laughs> yes Poltergeist Your first encounter with one? Yeah It's pretty freaky isn't it? Not if it's not pitch black Because I just I scoped it I glued it And I wrenched it Oh you glued it? Yeah uh, I just never think of that for some reason uh, So yes initially But when you know what how to deal with it It's okay Worse in Wasn't in It wasn't in the dark what, like the one in the volunteer? Yeah. That would be freaky. That's why I feel the volunteer quarters is meant to be visited much later. You still haven't gone? No. <laughs> Can you fabricate neuromods? I don't have the infinite license. Hmm. Interesting. Did you get the golden gun? I did get the golden gun. Oh, you did? Oh. That's fine then. I mentioned this last time that I had the golden pistol. The golden pistol's really good. It is really good. Because I think the normal pistol, you can upgrade it to do 10 damage. 
but the golden pistol starts at 10 damage and you can upgrade it to do 19. So the golden pistol's a really good weapon. I mean, this is just why I use the pistol for everything. I actually thought that there might be some downsides to the golden pistol. Like I was thinking, oh, maybe it's not silenced and it will just attract attention. But no, it is silenced. It's literally just a better pistol. There's literally no reason not to use it. Unless you hate pistols. I wrote this down because I thought you might be able to add some colour to it. Colour? Is that a business word? Is that like a corporate term? No, I think it's I think it's an acceptable term. Then again, I'm also a corporate drone, so what do I know? I, I feel it is. I'm, I, I'm disappointed in myself. Anyway, Calvino's memory? He's losing his memory. Any comment on that? I am not sure if he's just old and going senile. Or if it's actually Typhon related. Cause he, he mentions in one of his like psych eval sessions that, you know, he, he's dreaming about like this dark figure coming out of the mirror. Is that right? Or out of the looking glass? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And yeah, is it like Typhon influence or is it like low grade telepath interference? No, oh, that's interesting as well. But I don't really know, to be honest. I, I think he's just generally losing his memory and going a bit mad because he's talking about how he can't remember, like, her face or something, isn't... Like, didn't he... His daughter die or something? If you read his computer logs? Don't know. I mean, if you'd asked me last month when we recorded the previous episode i could have told you but i'm afraid i've forgotten the details now i'm also having nightmares about a dark figure emerging from my monitor no yellow tulip the bar and the song did you listen to the song i listened to the song did you then get ambushed by two phantoms yes i thought this was cheap (laughs) i thought this was cheap game design just saying me being pacifist thing i hid under the the table as it was playing because i thought I, I did the same thing for actually sake for f-ck sake this thing is two minutes long and i don't like this game already as it is <laughs> f- off <laughs> it was like my attitude i actually did the same thing yeah so i was just like listen to this thing you'd have to bleep it all out but that was exactly what's going through my head yeah i was not impressed by this because the Yellow Tulip is actually the last place I went in the whole of Crew Quarters. So I had actually cleared out the entire floor at this point. I had literally gone into every room, killed everything, but I could still hear like a phantom sound. And I was walking around going, where is this phantom? Do you have subtitles on? No. Okay, if you have subtitles on, it'll say like phantom and he'll have, he'll say something to himself. 
Yeah, I think I have the subtitles on for direct conversations, but not for just ambient. Anyway, I was just like, where is this phantom? Fine, whatever. Let's just carry on with the quest. Push the button. And then these two phantoms came out of nowhere. And I was like, I am not impressed. This is cheap. You can't just spawn in enemies. I thought we're trying to have like a realistic game here. A realistic game where, yeah, Typhon monsters can transform into mugs and stuff. But you know what I mean? I feel like, you know, you broke the rules here, game. This is not on. Yeah, I, they caught me by surprise. I was also like, what? Enemies? And then I hid under the table. And then I was like, wait, why am I hiding? And I just got out, combat focus, pew, pew, pew. Uh, I used mine jack, so one took out the other. Oh. I thought it was quite funny, the backstory for this song. Did you read about that or listen to the transcribed recordings about it? So they're having a party to celebrate the 8,000th Neuromod being fabricated. And I think Danielle can already sing. But the other person, like the band, the band actually couldn't play before. They actually all had their musical skill implanted by Neuromod. I I thought this was quite cute. That's quite cute. Yeah. So early on, as you enter the crew quarters, someone contacts you. Is that right? Yeah, you can hear over, like, the intercom or something, some person with a... Is it like an Eastern European or Russian or something? He's got a ludicrous accent and some weird speech pattern. And he's like, you're not going to get me. I'm sealed in here. Something, something. I don't know. And if you take out the telepath in the, like, restaurant, the dining hall, whatever it is, then he'll open the shutters and talk to you and he'll say i'm the chef i want you to get my cooking award from my quarters that has sentimental value to me do you get this what do you mean do i get this yes like this is conversation yeah yeah i got this yeah and then what did you do i went to get the thing oh i was like you seem sketchy and i shot him in the face immediately (laughs) and then i quick loaded (laughs) yeah i actually quick saved i was like this guy is super dodge shot him, got an achievement that said, you avenged Abigail. And I was like, who the F is Abigail? And then I quick loaded. And then I went to his quarters to get the cooking award. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I can't really shoot him regardless. I'm doing a Kill No Humans playthrough. And then did you notice once you get to the cook's quarters that he is definitely not the cook. Yes, I did notice. Because the cook is Will Mitchell, and you can play a transcribed recording that has Will Mitchell on. And Will Mitchell is like this cheerful guy with like an American accent. Not this weird, sketchy, whoever this dude is. That's quite neat. And messed up. So once you have his cooking award, he'll let you into the kitchen, and then he'll tell you, oh, we've got loads of food in here. And we're safe. We just need to repair, you know, this valve for the water. And then, I don't know about you, I already had, like, this valve piece that I'd taken from the Arboretum. So I just, like, was like, oh, you mean, like, this valve? And I just fixed it. And he's like, oh, my friend, thanks. Go and take some supplies from the freezer. And... When you say it like that, it sounds so sketchy. It is so sketchy. It's so sketchy. It's so obvious that he's... I'm so trusting. (laughs) 
I'm so trusting. It's like, the game says, do this. I'll do this. If, if he was like, by the way, I'm a bad guy that's pretending to be a good guy, but this is a side quest, so you should help me. I mean, like, it, it couldn't have been more obvious. I think this is kind of the thing that, like, The Witcher 3 is just going to, I'm going to get found out every time. Like, get found out for the fifth time and I'll keep doing it. <laughs> this, is, this is like, fool me once, shame on. So what did you do? Well, I was like, well, I can't kill you because I'm doing a Kill No Humans playthrough, so I'm just going to blindly walk into this freezer. I walked into the freezer, immediately found out what I did wrong, then I reloaded. You should live with your mistakes, Tim. My my reaction was just so quick, I couldn't even stop myself. <laughs> I was like, no, no, this is wrong. And then you shot him? Yeah, I shot him. You monster. Okay. Because actually, I did stun him, and I thought, fuck, I don't trust this guy, let's kill him. Because <laughs> I thought we were one of those... I come back and his body's gone. That would fuck me off. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You're a dangerous man, Ting. Just driven by fear. Shooting an incapacitated human in cold blood. Who's the real monster? Who's the real nightmare? Well, I was locked in the freezer and had to escape. Did you explore the freezer first? Yeah, I mean, well... There's not much else to do, right? You're just looking for a way out. Well, I didn't look for a way out. Where's the way out? There's like a maintenance hatch and there's like a big block of ice blocking it. And I think if you've got leverage, you can pick it up, but I didn't have leverage to. The other thing you can do is there's a convenient pipe of flammable gas. I thought this was quite cool, actually. You can just like hit the pipe and a jet of fire comes out and melts the ice block. So I thought that was cute. Was it a good effect? Well, it was it was nice that there was like lateral thinking, you know. But the melting ice block wasn't a graphical wonder. No, it was not. Well, it was just really like the ice block just suddenly like exploded. I mean, I wonder if I'd just thrown a recycler charge in there if it would have recycled the ice as well. There's probably multiple ways to break the ice block and get out. There were headless bodies in here. I did not need that. You, you see, you say that like he's some monster who's been decapitating bodies, but I don't know, because when the mind-controlled humans run at you and explode, it's just their head that explodes. So it might just be that these are people who tried to kill him because they were mind-controlled and running at him. So, you know, it might not even be his fault. I'm just saying I'm sensitive to this kind of thing. Okay. The main thing you discover is Abigail Foy's body yes so i was like oh that's abigail and her body has a recording from daniel show saying that to contact her she should go to the recreation center and bang on the window next to the swimming pool how long has she been there in the freezer no the other way around oh danielle yeah ages i mean she she talks about how she's going to run out of oxygen right ages though or hours i mean how long has it been since the incident happened probably less than a day right maybe a day because it's like the next morning interesting it feels like much longer than that i think it's all gone to hell really quickly because everything's so static it's fine actually something we talk about at the end yeah anyway so i mean that gives you well it's another voice recording of daniel show so it counts towards your voice samples that you need to hack the lock 
and also it just tells you where to find Danielle. Once you get out the freezer, the sketchy dude impersonating the cook is gone. So you get back into the kitchen, and you're like, oh, I'm leaving. Boop. You press the button to open the kitchen door, and beep, it's a recycler charge on the door. Did you get sucked in? No, I was like, oh, thanks, disarm, free recycler charge. But there's a whole bunch of these now throughout the game. Like, every now and then, you will just, like, try and use a fabricator, and there's a recycler charge, like, hidden on the side of it. Can't be doing with this. Cannot do... <sighs> the suspense. Yeah, and then every now and then, you'll also get, like, a message from this dude going, like, I know who you are, M.U., or something. I'm doing completely the wrong accent. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I would not enjoy... I wouldn't enjoy being in that state of just knowing this guy's... Well, the thing that makes it quite effective is that he doesn't actually contact you very much and he doesn't actually leave traps for you all over the place. Because if there were traps all the time, then you just get used to it and you just be like, oh, another recycler charge or, you know, or then you just be like, Oh, okay, a fabricator, first check for recycler charges. But no, most of the time, it's as if he's not there. And then you'll just get caught out because he will have just like left one for you like an hour down the line and you've completely forgotten about him and then you just get vacuumed into a black hole. So to follow up on the recording that you found on Abigail, did you meet Danielle show? Yes. And you'd already killed the sketchy dude at this point then. No, I stunned him. Oh, so you hadn't killed him? No, yet. I hadn't killed him. Okay. Because Bec- some, there's something about Daniel Show's conversation that made me think, shit, I have to go and kill him. Well, she asks you to kill him. Yeah. She asks you to avenge Abigail. Yeah. Because I think if you have actually killed him at the point you talk to Daniel Show, then you get something. I read that, yes. But, okay, so neither of us did it. What do, uh, you, what do you get? I don't know. So I think some passcode for some locker in deep storage. I don't know if it's anything important. I don't know if it's one that you can't just hack anyway, because I have level four hacking, so... Mm, I have, like, level four hacking, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just can't help it. And the other thing is, did you have all of the voice samples when you talked to Danielle? I did. Because I think I must not have, because she gave me the override code. And that shortcuts. Well, I think it just means you don't have to get all the voice samples. I mean, I think it's because I hadn't gone to the yellow tulip at this point, so I was only at like 90%. I don't know. But when you do go back to deep storage and have to unlock it, if you didn't get the override code from Daniel Show, the deep storage door is like, repeat the following words. Gravity, corkscrew, antipathy, erroneous. Or, I think there's multiple sets of words it could be. And then there's a synthesized voice of Daniel Show saying those words, and it unlocks. But if you get the override from Danielle, she tells you, oh, this is the passphrase to bypass the random word lock. Alex, Oedipus complex, pompous, nepotist and then she's just like i'm sorry i really don't like your brother (laughs) i thought it was quite funny i thought it was quite a cool easter egg as well 
I guess only the head of IT can really do that. <laughs> what else does the head of IT think? Uh, last thing for the crew quarters. Did you find the recording of the Dungeons and Dragons game or Fatal Fortress? There are many recordings. Yeah, I think there's a few. I found some. Because I, I just really like the one with Captain Stabfellow. So, Elias Black role plays this character called Captain Stabfellow, and so I think Abigail is actually the dungeon master, right? She's DMing it. Yeah, I think so. And and she's like, okay, so Elias, and then he just like cuts in Stabfellow, and she's like, okay, so Stabfellow, Captain Stabfellow. He's just like this madman. And the other thing is, he's actually the security officer that you get the very first pistol from. So that first dead dude in the teleconferencing center, that's Ashley Elias Black. Sad face. A terrible end for Captain Stabfellow. He's clearly the best D&D character ever. <laughs> Are you making good progress with the, the treasure hunt? Oh no, I think I'm just doomed on the treasure hunt. I, I totally didn't understand it because it's actually quite a difficult quest. Like it's spread all over the place, right? It's not confined just to crew quarters. You have to find the maps for each of the characters. And I think I've missed some of the maps. Like, yeah, I just definitely don't have all of them. And then you have to follow the map and look at a number that will be like on the wall in the world at that point and then you'll get like a quest completion to say you know you discovered a number five and then eventually i think you have to then go and put all those numbers into you know this other one of the computers i think it's like abigail's computer and then if you did it legit you get plans for a suit chip set that helps you but if you cheated as in you just looked up the number and typed it in without doing the quest you actually get a different chipset that just decreases all your stats. Uh-huh. I, I may have looked this up on a wiki because <laughs> I was just what? like, screw this quest. I'm not going to do it. Let's just look up what I would have got. Okay. Yeah, because I, I missed one of the maps. I I also heard that there's a bug because one of the maps is on a possessed human, like a, you know, a mind controlled by the telepath human. And I don't know. I read that there's some bug that if you didn't pick up the map from them... When you first got there, then sometimes the body will not be there. So, I don't know. It might be fine, but either way, I didn't realise where the map was the first time. And then I did look it up on the wiki, but I can't get back there because of the lockdown at the moment. Because, you know, I'm past that point now. So, I don't know. Who knows? Are you doing it? I I can't get one of the maps. (laughs) We've got the same problem. Which map are you missing? Emma Beattie. Yeah, that's the same one. Because she, it turns out she is mind controlled and she's in the swimming pool where you find Danielle. So. Is that what the security station would tell me? Uh, I think so, yeah. So if, you know, there's a telepath in that room. If you kill the telepath, it knocks out all the humans and then you can then go and search her body. I don't think there's an Emma Beattie there. I checked. Yeah, so I think you've got the bug. Okay. I, I might be wrong. Might be something completely different, or I might be misremembering, but I'm definitely missing Emma Beatty's map as well. Do you have any comments about deep storage then? Now that we're in with our voice hacking, 
No. My one comment about deep storage. Well, I mean, the initial area is actually a fairly mundane area. But then you get to the, you know, super secure, zero G, low temperature controlled deep storage. And it's full of pipes just spewing out flammable gas. Why would you crisscross your super secure, low temperature, low G, you know, storage archive with pipes full of flammable gas? It's true. It's true. I mean, it's just like, it's like if they ran a gas main through the Vatican archives or something. I mean, I don't know. It just seems ridiculous to me. I don't understand why they've done that. You're ruining my immersion game. You're ruining my immersion. That's your next career. It's like sci-fi consultant. Sci-fi consultant. Immersion consultant. Sci-fi immersion consultant. Well, this is, I mean, you know, this is what crazy artisanal game makers like Jonathan Blow do, right? I mean, he hired an architect for The Witness, didn't he? Did you notice? Did I notice? No. I was too busy. <laughs> like, no, no, I did. It was nice. It was nice. That's like, that like, sorry, that's just like a bland and pointless statement. Thanks, Mike. I appreciated the architect because I read his design blogs and I was like, ooh, that's taking the craft to the next level. They should have got like a data storage consultant to tell them, don't put a gas main through your storage archive or something. I guess it's not obvious. No, it's totally. What, what were they thinking? It's, they serve no purpose. That's, that's the most interesting bit. Yeah, it's not. I, I literally don't know why they did it. I guess they're trying to put some sort of obstacles in there, but there's just so many other things they could have done. I suppose in terms of zero G, what enemies could they have in there? Like you never fight a mimic or anything in zero G, do you? Oh, or do you? Uh, I don't remember any. I don't want to say. I'm not sure now. I wouldn't be surprised if they threw one in though. The phantoms are different, but mimics are possible. All they do is lunge at you. Hmm. Anyway, that's it. I found the storage archive, I fabricated the arm and key, I jettisoned the pod. And then you've got to get back in the station for this side up, and there's Dr. Igwe inside a cargo container, and he's like, you got to help me, I'm in this cargo container, I don't have a spacesuit. I'm running out of air. What did you do? I saved him. Yeah, same. I did quick save and then try opening the cargo container to see what happened and he was like what are you doing <laughs> and then he just gets like sucked out into space so it turns out uh, it kills him probably should have predicted that uh, I quick loaded and then the cargo bay itself which is another really short mission although not quite as short as this side up well, I like this area I actually know that when you first get in there it's pitch black and there are phantoms patrolling the area but before that, there's some guy who waves at you and shouts at you on a walkway. Which yeah, he's I like, hey, we're up here. What the? F there's a phantom right there. Shut your face. <laughs> Shut your face. It's all right. I'm scripted. <laughs> That's a cartoon right there. That's a cartoon right there. I guess. Did you notice there was an abnormally large amount of clutter in this area as well? There's like loads of like 
damaged coils and burned out hard drives and just stuff. No more than usual. I just there's there's an abnormal. I thought there was much more than usual. I just thought it was like lying around all over the place because you know when you actually get up to the walkway and talk to the people, they tell you, "Oh, we need turrets. We need to fabricate some turrets." You know, we're all trapped in this cargo bay. Between us and the rest of the station is another cargo bay full of Typhons. If we're going to open the door, well, we've only got pistols, so we need turrets to stand a chance. And she gives you the fabrication plan for the, like, for an auto turret. So I assumed that they gave you loads of stuff to make sure that you had enough to fabricate the turrets. Because I was thinking, because this is like 15 to 20 hours into the game, you don't want to get to this point in the game and then be soft locked like i was like literally thinking what are the ways in which the game could go wrong at this point if you didn't have the materials to fabricate the turrets required or if you had no ammo in order to be able to kill the typhons or i don't know i was just thinking like all the ways it could go wrong so there's just like a plethora of stuff and even if you don't fabricate any turrets there are actually four turrets in the area just for you to find anyway so I'm just thinking what you could do if you were really obstinate, like, no, I'm going to soft lock myself. I'm going to blow up all the four turrets. And then, I mean, I guess the nuclear option is literally, if you had to, you could fight and kill all the humans. And, you know, the chief of security, Sarah Elazar, I guess would drop the key card. So if you had to, you could do that. And if you were doing a kill all humans playthrough, which I think is, I think there's an achievement for that too, then presumably you would have to do that anyway. So, this area, there's quite a few humans that aren't mind-controlled or dead. Well, or... this is, yeah, there's like 10, right, or something. This is, this is the most humans you've seen in one place since the start of the game. It's quite nice. It is quite nice. It's quite therapeutic. It's like, oh, I can relax. Eat some ramen. Well, did you, did you, did you take some of their ramen? No, I didn't. Because... There's a table and it's stacked high with food and there's a note on the table that like lists out all of the food and says, oh, if we can ration this food, we can survive maybe like a week or something. Plus my inventory was full. <laughs> I took some. And? They said something. I don't know what they said, though. <laughs> they might have said, take more. We've no, got they la- didn't say that. I know no, they didn't say that. <laughs> Initially, I took it all and I felt guilty and I had to reload. Once again, I say, you monster. Also, I found a use for my leverage. <laughs> you, you had to look really hard for a use. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you, I did this area fine without leverage. So, <laughs> I took the long way around on the way, on the way out. <laughs> what? That's even more ridiculous. <laughs> I thought I'd be missing something as well. Yeah. So you've got to reactivate the power to the cargo bay and the switch is behind an unpowered door that obviously you can open with leverage. Or you can go around the long way through a corridor full of like flaming barrels or something. And you went back that way anyway then. Yep. Oh well. And then both of us managed to kill all the Typhons with no casualties. Yeah, but how did you set yourself up? I mean, I set up the four turrets that you were required to have in order to get the keycard. And then the door opened and I just immediately activated combat focus and shot everything. Oh, okay. 
So you did it all yourself. Well, I mean, the turrets did work too. I went with five turrets and two null-wave transmitters. And the turrets did everything? Everything. They they had nothing. I was surprised. I had, had a whole new level of respect for my turrets. <laughs> yeah, the turrets are pretty good. I think it's just that one turret, in a one-on-one fight, Phantom versus turret, the turret will lose. Is this where we end? And that is the end... Yeah, because the next section is reboot. Yeah, that's the end. So how did you find this section of the game? Compare and contrast to the first bit? I feel like I'm getting stronger. And I'm learning the mechanics of the game, finally. <laughs> finally? Finally. So you, you know how things work, you know how t- to beat things. And I'm picking the neuro mods that suit my playstyle, or I'm fitting my playstyle to suit the neuro mods I've got. <laughs> which is probably more appropriate. I'm mostly just turning the handle at this point, as in the first section, which is actually, I, I largely played all of this a month ago, apart from the cargo bay. It was a lot of discovery and trying to figure out the game mechanics, and there was a lot of, a lot of suspense. But you know, when I came back to it and picked it up from where I'd got to and just played to the end of this section, which was a short section for me, it was like just cranking the handle. You know, I, I've i gotten so powerful that other than the nightmare, nothing is a threat. Everything is just, oh, an enemy, combat focus, bang, done. I should have got f- combat focus. Well, I mean, I'm only using combat focus because it's the only human right-click power. But it's surprisingly good. I mean, it's a surprisingly good panic button too. Because you're like, oh, surprised, click. Oh, okay, everything's fine. I've got, like, time to think about it. Because everything just goes into slow motion. Okay, it's the same. I think the Typhon powers are the same. Everything goes into slow motion as I activate Psychoshock. Oh, okay. So, yeah, as the game has progressed... The enemies have gotten stronger, but, you know, I've just, I feel like I've gotten stronger much faster. And any individual enemy isn't a threat. I do still have the occasional panic moment when there are multiple enemies where I get surprised. But on the whole, I don't know. I mean, this was a strange section for me because there was such a long gap and then it was so short. So next time I may have quite a different opinion as I get more into it again so our stats at the end of the section I need pulled out some neuro mods that were interesting I finally got hacking 4 impact calibration and firearms both 
Level 2. How many neuromods installed? 96. I thought I would have fewer than you. Yeah, so I only have 85 neuromods installed. I'm also surprised that I have fewer than you, actually, but I think I'm just hoarding them. Because in my inventory, I think I do actually have, like, 15 neuromods, and I can fabricate neuromods infinitely, because I've, I've got the unlimited license. So, yeah, I'm just not making use of it. <laughs> I don't know why. You know, because I, I have Hacking 4 as well. And Firearms 2. I don't have Impact Calibration 2, because I just don't use the wrench anymore, so I just didn't think it was worth it. I don't know. For whatever reason, I have fewer neuromods. <laughs> it's already too easy for you. Let's tone it down, guys. Too easy, man. Yeah. I have killed no humans, so I have managed uh, to stay bloodless. I've killed two. Well, one of them is the sketchy cook guy. So who's the other? Just a random... Collateral damage. Someone who just got, someone who just got in your way. They're, it's their own fault. <laughs> it's their own fault. That's all I can say. Did you push a fat man in front of a trolley? It's, take, it's taken me 27 hours to get here. It's taken me 22. And you've been much more thorough than me from the sounds of it. This is what happens when you hide from shit, <laughs> basically, and trying to be a pacifist. You have to just wait it out. Are you playing this in lots of short bursts, I guess, as well? Like the context switching or you have to like get back into it? Whereas I'm, I played it mostly in, you know, a few marathon sittings. Yeah, lots of small chunks. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I played it over like a weekend, pretty much. <laughs> you know, the majority of those 22 hours. And this is proof that context switching is costing you. What? Of you, course. Me. <laughs> Conte- you, me. I, I don't think this is, this is news to anyone. Context switching is very costly. Both to humans and computers. Alright, and then to close up, I mentioned last time the Who is December storyline. So you didn't do it. I wanted to, but I didn't have Hacking 4 at the time. Ah, okay. So did you find the keycard? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I I had a moment of... (laughs) I had another... You know, we mentioned it before, like... We're so used to just following waypoints, right? So I knew that the key card was in Alex Yu's, you know, executive suite, his bedroom, whatever. And I went in there and I was just like, where's the waypoint? <laughs> where's this key card? Why are you telling me where the key card is? What do you mean I have to look for it with my human eyes? This is an outrage. And, <laughs> and also I walked into the room. Pull down the psychoscope, looked around for mimics, no mimics. Great. Stepped into the room, greater mimic jumped on my face. No! So, yeah, I got played. But I did find the keycard underneath the globe on his bedside table. So I had the keycard. I went back to the Arboretum. I hacked the bridge. I got to the escape pod. I really thought there would be an alternative way of getting the bridge. Maybe there is. There, there, have you? I actually watched. I watched some like let's plays. There is an alternative way of getting the bridge. The glue gun, which is the glue gun. This is ridiculous. Like the things you know. The, but it's possible. Yeah, it's possible by some extreme glue gun parkour. Like it. 
I mean, it, it's possible, but it feels like it's not intended to be possible. But it is possible. So anyway, I used the bridge. I had hacking for. You find Alex used tracking bracelet up there, interestingly enough. So, I mean, I actually never thought to try and track Alex U, but if you do, it will just say he's there because his bracelet is just there. And January will try and talk you out of getting on the escape pod. He'll be like, Morgan, don't do it. And I'm just like, I want the alternate ending too bad. You get multiple opportunities to like back off, but if you just do it, you escape the station, you get an achievement for it. And then there's like an audio only cutscene that plays of your brother Alex saying, we failed. This isn't the one. And then a woman whose voice I don't recognize saying, start over. And that's it. Credits. Load game. Load game. So very cryptic. So we come all the way back to... Remember we had like predictions and you said it'd be really lame if it was simulation and simulation. But I'm thinking, this is a simulation and a simulation, man. That's cheap, isn't it? I don't know. I am now thinking you're not the real Morgan You, You are a Project Cobalt Typhon that is having Morgan U's memories implanted on it. And they're checking if you are like selfless and human and will sacrifice yourself and self-destruct the station to save humanity wow that's that that's the one that's the one yeah so this is my ending prediction now i'm calling it on that note next checkpoint is finish the game the next checkpoint is find out if mike was right about his ending prediction if it's not right to arcane studios and tell them a much better ending of the game would have been to yeah. fix the ending. <laughs> fix the ending. Let's have a Mass Effect 3 like writing campaign. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter at Lost Levels Club. On YouTube. And Twitch as Lost Levels Club. On Reddit. Slash R slash Lost Levels Club. To Michael. What are you grateful for, Ting? I don't know. I'm grateful for... Peanut butter... Was it brittle? Peanut butter... It was a peanut butter Haagen-Dazs... Crunch. Ice cream on a stick thing. Yeah. Three for $63. Three for $63. Three for $63 is it's ridiculous because actually is it ridiculous it's like buy two get one free basically because they're 30 dollars each from 7-eleven so you bought one i bought one and then the lady behind the counter just said something in cantonese and i was just <laughs> i just had like a vacant face i was just like i know she said the number three in there <laughs> i didn't understand the rest of it and then you just walked off and picked up another one. And I was like, what's going on? And then you turned around to me and said, it's three for 63. And then she turned around and looked at me as well and said in English, it's three for 63. Oh, did, oh, did she? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, both of you. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, Ting, for exposing me as an idiot. 
I guess to be honest that my vacant face had already exposed me as someone who didn't understand Cantonese and was a total phony. You're a phony. You're not a real Chinese person. This was the pre-chat. <laughs> we saved the best for the end. So Michael says bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>